Hello, Mountain Brook. Uh, this is Donald Clayton, principal at Mountain Brook Junior High. I'm joined, as always, by our superintendent, Dr. Dickie Barlow, and our director of student services, Ms. Amanda Hood. We've got several things we're going to go through today. We're going to talk about some thank yous as we've been in this uh, different season uh, of education. We're also going to look at some health department guidance, um, updated plan, as well as how that plan affects elementary and secondary schools um, and also the things that it it doesn't change. Uh, there are some things that will stay in place. So, Dr. Barlow, why don't you start us off um, with our thank yous? Yeah, Donald, thank you. Thank you, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anytime we start the, a conversation um, this fall or even in the last year, the, f- the first thing that we, we have to do is to thank our teachers, and our staff members, and our administrators. Uh, these people have been working around the clock. And when they're, when I say working around the clock, you know, they're, they're working in their classrooms and in their schools like you. You work, you know, a good 8, 10, 12 hours a day, maybe more, and then you go home, and it just doesn't go off your mind, right? right? And that's the same thing with our teachers and our staff members. They're always trying to think, what can we do to help our students and to uh, to just do the best we can in this crazy world that we're living in right now as far as, you know, the COVID-19 experience. So uh, so that's a long introduction to just say to all our staff members and say thank you for what you're doing. It, um, it does not go unnoticed, and we're really grateful for everybody doing that. And I'll say also thanks to our parents for their patience and their their kindness in this and the way that they've reached out to a lot of our teachers just to say thank you. And administrators, I know you've gotten multiple yeah. emails as well as other all of our principals. And so thank you to the parents and all of our staff. And I'll say the school nurses have just done an incredible job of trying mm-hmm. to rise to the occasion this is not what happens in a health room in a school. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, contact tracing and scre- screening kids and helping families make those decisions about what to do next, not just if you're positive, but if you just have to go home for two weeks. Right. That's a really emotional thing. And so our nurses have really just done a yeoman's task mm-hmm. in trying to walk beside our families in that. And they've even stepped up and really taken call on call you know, for weekends so that they're available for families that may have questions that pop up when when we're not in session. And so they've just, I just want to say thank you to them. Yeah, our nurses have just been fantastic. Uh, Also, our custodians, our lunchroom workers, our aides, um, everybody has had to do things that they haven't been asked to do before in, in previous years. And people have done it with a smile on their face, or at least we think they're smiling. They're wearing masks all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it has been challenging, and it's also at the same time pretty neat to watch all of our our faculty, and our staff, and our students, and our whole community kind of rally together to get these things done. Dr. Barlow, tell us about um, health department guidance and where we are with that. Well, I'm actually going to talk. Let's talk about metrics. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Let's Can do I, metrics. Yeah. So let me change that, and I'm going to lobby it over to Amanda Hood and. Amanda, talk to us about metrics and where we are. And Sure, absolutely. Well, the Alabama Department of Public Health has put out a dashboard where you can go and select Jefferson County and see up-to-date information on what's happening in not just Mountain Brook, but in the communities that surround us. And so that that information is updated every Friday. We've tried to 
put out some guidance on how you navigate that website. But those numbers have been really important. And Jefferson County has done a great job of communicating with us about what our targets are and what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you can go on on their website and really look at the positivity rates and the rate of positive cases per 100,000 people. It's interesting to note that in some recent guidance that we sent out and shared that Mountain Brook has, over the course of the last several months, been a little bit higher than the average in Jefferson Mm. County. And so that is one of the reasons why we've been so cautious. And we've really tried to stick to those mitigating strategies that we've been using in our schools. School-aged children, about 24% of all of the positive cases in Mountain Brook, 24% of those have been school-aged children, Mm -hmm. which is age 5 to age 18. Now, that age 18 may also include some of our New, new, recent graduates that are now going off to college right. that may have been tested. Yeah, but it does include all of you know all of the children aged five to eighteen. So that really helped give us a perspective of what does Mountain Brook look like. The other thing that we monitor is our absentee rates, and I'm really, I'm really, really proud that our absentee rates have remained very low. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really been very similar to where we would be this time of year normally. Um, and a little bit under where we would be in flu season. So we monitor those things daily. Also, the number of positive cases and close contact quarantines. We meet every day and review those cases by name. I do think it's really important just to kind of share and at least comment on the only way we get that information is when a family chooses to share that with us. It's completely voluntary, and we encourage families to continue to share that with us because it helps us know how to, where to clean, um, how to help stop the spread in schools. And so our families have done a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. But it is not in any way the numbers we look at are not official data because right. it's voluntary. So, and, and that's why we don't release that information because we don't actually know if it's accurate or not. It is. And, you know, privacy plays a big part in mm-hmm. some of those things because we know we have some families in our community that are comfortable with us sharing information we also have some families in our community that are fiercely private. Mm-hmm. And so we have to honor that. And so, you know, what we've established is, is if we ever get to a point where we have 20 positive cases daily, at that point, we feel confident about reporting that publicly. But the good news is, is that there really has been a trend downward in all of those numbers. So I just want to encourage our community to go to that Alabama Department of Public Health website. The information's updated every mm-hmm. Friday. You can see what we see, and so I encourage you just to engage in that in, engage in that monitoring. So, Dr. Barlow, I know even as recent as today, we've gotten some updated information from the Jefferson County Health Department. We have, Amanda. And in fact, um, but let me go back just a little bit and talk about conversations that we've had with the health department because we've talked about the downward trend of these metrics, and so we're pleased with those. But as the health department has started to look at not just the medical metrics, they've also had to consider some other things. And so those things have been like mental health issues or academic progress and social health issues. And so I think the health department has realized that, yes, we need to look at these metrics, but we also have, there are other variables that we have to look at. And because of those variables, they have put out another release that basically said they they think it's reasonable to consider a more flexible approach in going forward um, when we're looking at 100% capacity of schools. 
And so when we talk about 100% capacity, we look at our elementary schools, we're already at 100% capacity there, except for our virtual students and those students that have chosen to go the virtual path. But we're at 100% capacity with our elementary schools, but we haven't been with our secondary schools. And so now we're, gonna, we're talking about a plan to move to 100% capacity. Um, you know, and let me just say from the very beginning through this whole thing, that's what we've said. We said we want to be at 100% capacity when we feel like it's safe and we can do it for our students and for our teachers and community. So when looking at an updated plan, what are the things that uh, we need to, that we considered going into that? That's a good question, Donald. Let me just hit these topics that we considered when we looked at an updated plan. One is that we need to support um, our traditional and our virtual students. Um, another thing is that our teachers need time for planning is one of the things that we considered. Our elementary students need more uh, ability to move outside of their cl- classroom and yet still stay in their cohort. And just really their mental health of teachers and students as we look at how they're doing, not just academically, but in their emotional state. Um, and then there are mitigating strategies that we, we have to consider as we look at masking and distancing and hygiene. Those are all things that we considered in this new plan. Yeah, mitigating strategies that have been in place but have to be relooked at when you start, especially at the secondary level, when you start looking at going to 100%. You have to relook at them and kind of figure out how you do that. So let's let's talk through some more specific pieces of uh, the updated plan and how do the what kind of changes do we see impacting elementary schools? Yeah, absolutely. So elementary schools, our principals have done a great job in working with their teams at their schools. Our, our students are currently really working within their classroom, and that has been true since the beginning of school. I think you will you have already begun to see those classrooms move into their specials classes. They're staying together as a group to help kind of contain contact, but they're moving into their specials classrooms. I think there will be a gradual release as those classrooms, especially upper elementary, begin to rotate together as a group into their other classrooms. You'll eventually see classrooms begin to just gradually overlap slightly for cohorts and some intervention, small group intervention. And then you'll see things eventually move into grade level and then whole school activities. All of those things are done very methodically and carefully with lots of consideration of what our numbers look like, how are we handling. So I think it'll be a slow process, but one where we can really help continue to keep kids safe at school. Right. This is not a one-week process, Donald. This is over a long period of time and where we try something and look at the feedback that we get from that, and then we move forward with the next next step. Another shift, too, um, that I think is really important for our families is we have had some families who opted for the virtual option who would like to now consider coming back to traditional. We may have families that are in the traditional model that would like to move to virtual. Mm-hmm. And so In our original plan, those changes would happen at the semester break, so in December, early January. And we we realize now that we really think it would be beneficial for students and for families to be able to make those transitions over the next two weeks. So I encourage parents to really look at our plan. There's a deadline for notifying your school um, if your child wants to make a change. But 
we just realize every family's got to make their own decision. That's right. And so it's important to give people options and be flexible, you know, and support them while they do that. Yeah. And that's not just elementary either. That's in secondary also. So there, we probably have some secondary students that are in the virtual school that would like to go to a traditional school. And when people hear about our plan for 100% capacity, there are probably going to be some students who say, I don't feel comfortable with that, and so I need to go into virtual school. And we certainly respect that and will honor that. So we touched on just briefly there, secondary and a little bit earlier. What what types of changes um, will we see with the secondary schools? Yes, Donald, in the secondary, what we're doing is um, by virtue of the guidance of the Je- Jefferson County Health Department, we are moving towards 100% capacity. And that means all of our students will begin going back to school the same day on October 19th. Now, that will be on Monday. So the schedule will be that we'll have 100% capacity on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. Wednesday will be a virtual day for our students. And in this day, what will happen is that our teachers will help support our students virtually from the virtual program and the traditional students. And they will also have time to plan during that Wednesday. Um, And each school would designate structures to help support students that have had a hard time over the first nine weeks. Yeah, that's been interesting because, you know, we've had some students that have really thrived in kind of the green gold schedule. And I mean, they've just done really, really well. And then we've had some kids that have really struggled. Mm -hmm. And so that in our conversations with faculty and with families and students, that's an important point is that we knew we needed to take some steps to provide opportunities for students to recover because their grades are important. And they're important to the, the next stages of their academic plan. And so that this Wednesday will be a critical time for them to get some support and time so that they can recover some of those first nine weeks items. So we'll be sending out more information about how schools will plan on student support for Wednesdays. You know, another thing to think about on Wednesdays is, especially now that we're going back to 100% capacity, the cleaning that can happen on that Wednesday. Right. In all of our major spaces where lots of kids mm-hmm. travel through, that will be an important point. And it's also, you know, I think just fair for transparency's sake that when you bring more people back to the building, there is naturally going to be more contact. Um, I will say that the the schools, the principals, the, the teacher teams are committed, I mean, fervently committed to distancing as far apart as possible, even in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. And so they are going to try to achieve six feet when possible, and they're really being creative about how how that may look. So I'm excited to see kind of what's going to be born out of that for our students. But it is fair, just as a family, to really think through what are the activities that my children are involved in? What does this mean for our family? Not just virus transmission on the mm-hmm. am I positive or not, but what happens if I'm within six feet for 15 minutes of someone who is? That means now I go home for two weeks. And yeah. for a lot of kids, that's a really big deal because they live very active lives. And to go from being very active to having to stay home for two weeks is really difficult. Yeah, so let's talk about the contact tracing because I think there's some confusion about that. I've heard people say, well, that's a Mountain Brook rule about the contact um, tracing and the 615 rule. 
And let's be real clear about where that comes from. So talk yeah, to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a CDC level type type information. The the 615 comes from the CDC. We've talked to the Alabama Department of Public Health about it specifically. Um, and so that doesn't change with regards to contact tracing for any schools that are bringing kids back at 100% capacity. Mm-hmm. So that is a challenge. And it is ch- it is going to challenge us as educators to think creatively about how we keep kids in school. Um, we want our students back in school. We want them to be safe. And we want them to come and stay. And um, But again, it is fair just as a family to think through what are our thoughts and how do we feel about that so that you can make the best decision for your particular child, either traditional or virtual? Absolutely. It does stand to reason that when we go to 100%, especially in the secondary school, you will have there would be more um, interaction in the building. And Definitely. so there's things for our families to think through. Uh, Dr. Barlow, lastly, and, and Amanda as well, what, what are the things in this updated plan that don't change? We've spent a considerable amount of time talking about elementary and secondary impact, but what are the things that are going to stay the same? Well, I think simply masking's not going to change. I mean, we, we know that we're going to continue to mask. We're going to distance every opportunity that we have. And we're also asking students and families to, to continue with the hygiene principles of washing your hands, um, you know, making sure that you're wearing masks, making sure that you're distanced, doing everything possible to prevent the sp- spread of the virus. So we're not, we're not going to skimp on that at all. And I'll say one other piece to that, too, is that particularly secondary students, they are absolutely old enough to own some personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, when they come in the building or they're in their class or who they sit by at lunch, whatever it is, to be aware of their surroundings and, you know, to kind of take a step back if they need to. If we're a little bit too close, there's a part where just the daily interactions that happen in a school building, you know, we're going to ask our students to be very conscious and aware Right. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this October 19th date. So that, that's two weeks away. And so what the, um, I think the community can expect from us is that for the next two weeks, we are going to work tirelessly to make sure that our students are going to be distant, that we're going to try to keep our students and our teachers and staff as safe as possible. And so we're going to continue to work through that. And so um, you're going to probably hear some, you get some updates from individual schools about what next steps are, and you're going to hear about conversations that are taking place every day about how we can make sure that these things happen. Great. Well, Dr. Barlow, Amanda, thank you very much for that information. Thank you, Mountain Brook families, um, for your just continued support and uh, flexibility through this whole process. Hope you guys continue to stay well, and we look forward to seeing you real soon. 